0: The gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Is that all right with you guys? All right. They tell me he's the third person of the Trinity. They tell me that he's a very important person in our life in God. So we come to chapter 18. Um, This is prior to when we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit. But anyway, um, we want to stay in context of, of when we're going through the book of Acts. So the first four verses is... After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There, he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudia, Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And so, the the city of the Corinth was the capital of the Roman province. Uh, Acacia, and it's here that Paul meets uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and they they're an extremely anointed couple. They become Paul, one of Paul's closest friends over the years. They're one of his dearest ministry com, uh, um, uh, companions, and here it says that he reasoned in the in the synagogue every Sabbath. So once a week was was the, was all Paul could do um, at this time, and it may be. You know, there's a lot of this is conjecture because we don't have much more than what we've got here. But it may be that he he, he had to work for the rest of the week because it mentions tent making or it could be uh, working with leather, one of those things he had to do. And what happens, though, and we'll get there in verses 5 to 6, which is coming up, Silas and Timothy come, and they're probably bringing Paul uh, uh, a uh, some money from the newly formed gentile churches that paul had started and so paul then had the opportunity to preach the gospel every day which is what we're going to see so there's a shift there so what happens is this gift from money from supporting churches allowed paul to concentrate 100 percent on what god had called him to do and paul writes later to the very church here in in corinth and said this about the need to support those in ministry he said for it is written the law of moses do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain So, you don't prevent an ox from eating some of the very grain it's helping others to have, is what Paul says. And then he continues. He says, Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, it was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much to if we reap material harvest from you if others have this right of support from you shouldn't we have it all the more and then paul concludes a few verses later saying the lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel and so what's interesting is when you read that chapter as well as second corinthians 8 9 paul doesn't paul we find paul doesn't really need the church's support the church needed to support paul and so we have this spirit of giving, which the the principle is that it all ha- has to do with the heart and the obedience of the giver, not on the needs of the recipient. That's never the issue. So, for example, when we obediently, cheerfully give 10% of our income, we, we don't give it because, well, you know, God doesn't need it, right? We know We don't give it because God needs it. We don't give it because... The church needs it, or anyone needs it. We tithe because we understand the scriptural principle of giving, and so we tithe because the Lord has promised that if we test Him in that area, He'll bless us, open up the heavens, and we tithe cheerfully because we love God in all of His ways. It's His principles. It's His way of doing things. Verse five to six. When Timothy and when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted him exclusively to preaching. So now it's more than once a week. He's constantly doing it, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. And so shaking the dust from your garments was a sign of a breaking of relationship in the Jewish culture. But it was typically done by Jews toward Gentiles. You know, they were to shake the dust to get away from the filth of, you know, of Gentiles. And so Paul was demonstrating this to Jews, that you're rejecting the gospel, which means you're no better than the Jews that you, the Gentiles that you despise. And so Paul continued to go, even though he says, I'm going to be going to the Gentiles now, I wash my hands of you. He still went to the Jewish uh, synagogues to preach the gospel. He still did that. But... This right here was a significant turning point in his ministry. He would then be known as the Apostle to the Gentiles and devoting most of his ministry outside the Jewish faith. Paul then, verse eight, 7 and 8, left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader and his entire household, believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. That's a pretty cool kids name, Crispus. I never heard of that. Crispus. Crispus. Oh, it could be a dog's name. Let's see. Come, Crispus. I like that better. That's better. All right. So, yeah. Yeah, check that out first. So, from all that we have read thus far in the book of Acts regarding the opposition of Paul, um driven out of cities, driven out of synagogues, dragged outside of a city, stoned and left for dead. There was nevertheless this incredible amount of fruit in his ministry. And here we find that even though Paul was rejected by the Jews in Corinth, the leader of the synagogue got saved. The very leader. And then his entire household come to Jesus. So the gospel, we have to understand, will always find receptive hearts. We may talk to people... I think we're going to be quite stunned uh, when we get when we arrive in heaven uh, and see people that we had impact sometimes directly, but certainly indirectly, mm-hmm. and we never would have known. And we're, we're just going to be blown away. We're just going to see that that the fruit is far beyond anything we could have imagined. The impact that we had some on somebody's life in passing, even. And then what they did with other people's lives somehow throughout the years, we're going to be, we, we will benefit the fruit, the fruit of that. Not that we do it for the fruit. Not that we do it for the reward. But it's going to be there nevertheless. Jesus promised that. And so the, God, the, the, the kingdom will continue to advance no matter what. Jesus spoke about that. It's going to continue no matter, no matter what. God will advance it, but isn't it wonderful when he uses us such in little ways throughout our lives? Verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you, no one's going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. I mean, if Paul, God had to tell Paul not to be afraid, how much more does he have to tell us? I mean, Paul was a stud. I mean, he just, he just you know, he wasn't afraid of anything. So why did God have to tell him to be afraid? I think that, that I, I think, the reason Paul, he said, "Don't be afraid," is because you know I'm going to be, be with you. Is because um, it allowed Paul to f- completely focus. <laughs> In other words, he knew he would be opposed. or still he's still receive opposition, but he's going to be physically. Uh, protected he was not going to be kicked out of the city he's not going to be stoned left for dead you know you can go this way and and so Paul felt in that w- way secure in the presence of the father and what a blessing to the Corinthians I mean can you imagine having the apostle Paul with you for a year and a half and just the riches that Corinth must have received and and God protected him obviously to build this foundation on this key city in these young believers and then we come to this passage. In the next dozen or so verses where Paul leaves Corinth, he travels to Ephesus, Caesarea, Jerusalem, Antioch, and Galatians, and he's strengthening believers throughout the region, so he's just traveling a lot. But we come to a section where Paul is not involved in verses 24 to 28. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of Scripture. He had been instructed in the ways of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Then it continues When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in private debate, proving from scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Huh? Public debate. Thank you, Richard. Um, Yes. And some, I mean, Apollos, some believe that he wrote Hebrews. You know, there's, not, uh, there's obviously, it's, we, we just say the writer of Hebrews, we don't know. Uh, it's very unlikely that it was the Apostle Paul. It's not anything like what he had written in other passages. Apollos is one that could have been because of the Old Testament references. But any, in any case, Priscilla and and, Aquila and Apollos are key ministers alongside the Apostle Paul, and Apollos was this eloquent, powerful teacher, and, and, and Paul said later that Apollos watered the seed that he had sown, and so he was significant influence in the church at Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, his first letter to the believers in Corinth, Paul says, one of you said, I follow Paul one of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Peter, still another I follow Christ. Well, that's a pretty elite company. That's, I mean, Jesus, Peter, and Paul, and Apollos, that's pretty, pretty good company that Apollos is placed in. And so um, the thing is, when he comes into the scene, he doesn't have a complete understanding of the kingdom because all he knew of the baptism of John, which means he needed to be taught about the life, death, and Uh, resurrection of jesus and the significance of it so priscilla and aquila take them under take him under their wing and, and 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 instruct him before he goes out then we come to the first few verses of chapter 19 this is the holy spirit part while apollos was at corinth paul took the road toward the interior and arrived at ephesus There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul comes upon disciples, but he discovers that they're not really disciples of Jesus, but they're disciples of John the Baptist because that's all the teaching they knew. And the first question Paul asks him is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And some insist on Rendering the word when to the word after, meaning, did you receive the Holy Spirit after you believed? And that helps promote the teaching, this second work of salvation, that after Jesus comes into our hearts, then at some other time we've received the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit, what some call a second work of grace. The problem with that using this passage is that the word really is translated when and that implies that the Holy Spirit is received at a definite time and that time is when we exercise our initial faith in Jesus the same is expressed in Ephesians 1:13, which says having believed you were marked with him with a seal you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit so there's no space of time ever suggested in the new testament between receiving jesus and receiving the seal of the holy spirit so the whole the new testament does not recognize the possibility of a christian being a christian of a person being a christian apart from the possession of the spirit of god you can't have jesus without the holy spirit jesus said no one can enter the kingdom of god unless he is born of water and the Spirit, Romans eight nine. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Doesn't get much clearer than that. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 <coughs> tells us no one can say Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit, and Titus three five says God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewed and and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Paul, he writes here. And he he simply trying to determine if these men were true disciples, for one thing. And the way he found out was to ask them if they had received the Holy Spirit because a person cannot be a disciple without receiving him. Does that make sense? So have you received the Holy Spirit? Because that way, if you say yes and I know you're a disciple, you say no, I know you're not. Well, these guys said they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. And it's rather unlikely that they were ignorant of God's Spirit because they were disciples of John, and John talked about the Holy Spirit. He prophesied the coming of the Holy Spirit. So what they probably are saying is that they hadn't heard that the Holy Spirit had yet been given, had not been poured, because John prophesied. Remember, John the Baptist prophesied about the release of the Holy Spirit. So they just had not, what probably they're saying is they hadn't heard of that event. They hadn't heard of that, even though, I mean, this is 10 to 15 years after Pentecost, but nevertheless, they still hadn't heard of this. I mean, they didn't have internet. (laughs) Verse 3 to 4. So Paul asked that, exactly, "Then uh, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that as in Jesus. So Paul is saying to these men, you know, in one sense, that's good, but uh, John's baptism was only preparatory. doesn't really do anything until the Messiah comes. So it's preparing you for the one who's coming. John's was a baptism of repentance, whereas Jesus brings forgiveness of sin, and eternal life. Big difference. Upon hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. So since these men had no experience, understand, they had no experience with the Holy Spirit, they were disciples of John the Baptist, so they had no experience with anything up until this time. So Paul baptizes them in the name of Jesus because they finally realize, no, this is right. This is this. We're, we're convicted. This is right. He baptizes them. They're filled with the Spirit, and they speak in tongues and prophesy. That is the normative pattern in the book of Acts. Baptism in water, fullness of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophesy. You read it all the time. People who were distant from God, they heard the truth about Jesus. They they accepted him as their Lord. They were baptized in water. They received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Just like that. That's what you see over and over. I mean, today, it's like, I mean... You know, there's time for it. back then. There was no time period when a person accepted Jesus. You know, like today, because today you'll have this time period. They accept Jesus, and then you're baptized in water a few years later, and then um, you receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit after that. You know, it it it, it typically back then occurred all at once. I mean, I got saved with, when I was 17, and it was a, a obviously a life changing day, and then so I go back to church the next week, and I'm still you know, I mean, I can't wait to get to church. It's like amazing. And so, you know, so I would go back to church the next week. And Lonnie Frisbee, who's, who's the pastor of Calvary Chapel Riverside, so he, so we have this, what they call the afterglows. And so we go into this other room. And I'm sitting right next to him. And he says, Have you ever, have you ever, have you received the, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit that's speaking in tongues? I said, I'm not, you know, I'm like clueless. I have no clue what he's talking about. Zero. I mean, I was raised in the church. I have no idea what he's talking about. And, and so, you know, anyway, long story short, he just started... He says, well, we're just going to pray in tongues. We're just going to sing in the Spirit, and you just do what we do. I said, okay. What do I know? <laughs> okay. And that's what happened. He just started praying, and then they started singing, and I started singing and praying, and boom, there you go. You know, about 50 of us right there. Speaking It was fun. But um, having said that, there may be some today that... Uh, Have never received the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy. Both of which were, you know, can I suggest that they're kind of like entry level gifts? Everybody can receive the gift of tongues, it's a prayer language. Everyone can prophesy. I mean, everybody can do everything, healing and miracle. Everybody can do everything. I'm just saying it seems like these are the things that brought. Why are these? Why? Why do you think that? Why, Why was always gift of tongues and prophecy? Well, gift of tongues, our prayer language between, b- between us and God, is what builds us up, the Bible teaches. Prophecy is for the building up of other people. So these are wonderful gifts. They build you up. They build other... stop that other people up, you know? They're they're great gifts. They edit, they're edifying gifts, and 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 it, it appears that they open the door. And for other things where we can then move into words of knowledge and words of wisdom, the gift of faith and gift of miracles and he, gift of healings and discerning of spirits and you know a lot of the other gifts. They're kind of like, I don't know if it's interesting. It just it just feels that when you see that these are the gifts that occur. And perhaps there's some that have never, maybe there's a few that have never received the gift of tongues or of prophecy, and perhaps you're waiting for God to give it to you. Well, if he wants me to have it, he'll give it. Mm, Not sure if I read that in Scripture very much. (laughs) Paul says to be zealous. That means seek after. This is 1 Corinthians 14. Run after it. Seek after it. The word is zeal for spiritual gifts. And, and the thing is, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and one of the primary gifts of communication with the Father is a prayer language that you do not understand, but he does. He will give you a gift. It will, it's called a prayer. It's called speaking in tongues, but I like to refer it to it as prayer language. And the deal is, you will not understand it when you get, but he will. And so the words you speak... It will sound meaningless, just like you babbled when you were a little baby, blah, 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 you know that kind of stuff. But you I mean, it will sound like something, and it kind of just like when you start babbling and you start speaking, a lot of times prayer languages grow and mature in, um, in, the, in quality or whatever, but regardless, God has prom- God will understand what you're saying the holy spirit is praying through you so if it's you in other words if you're able to see that it is scripturally normal and if you read the book of acts it is and first corinthians if you believe that it's a scripturally normal to speak in an unknown language i, I would want to pray for you today and um or you know maybe you've gone years without we re- receiving this gift and and you can receive it today and uh I would actually, I would love, if if we have anybody like that, I would love to pray for. I have a lot of faith for this. I have faith for like three things in life. (laughs) Okay, maybe five. But anyway, one of them is for people to receive uh, the gift of, you know, the Lord anoints you for certain things. I really believe that. There's certain areas. There's a few. I see that with another minister. Some, you know, I mean, like Lonnie Frisbee, 1971, I got saved in 71, 69, 70. He's at Calvary Chapel on Wednesday nights. He had anointing for warts. He would be preaching, and warts would fall off of people's feet. They'd be sweeping warts off the after of the meeting. Seriously, I mean, who gives anointing for warts? Well, he had it, among other things. I mean, he was anointed in every aspect of life, but uh, every aspect of ministry. But that was an incredible the warts deal. But anyway, one of them is, one, of, one of them I've always known as night is praying for people with nightmares. But the other one, uh, one of the other ones is um, tongues, receiving prayer language. So I'd like to pray for you. For that, if you guys want to hobble back up? If you, uh, it's true. if you, uh, you know, if the positions were reversed, you know, I'd get the same thing. It's true. Um, if let me just say a little aside here why they're um, getting set up. If if you do have a prayer language. Um, which I would assume most of you do. Did you know that it's important to use it? Can you imagine? God gives you a gift and we're supposed to use it. It's not enough to say, you know, hey, I received the gift of tongues back in 84. What's wrong with that? I got that gift back in 84. Have you used it since? Well, a little bit here and there. You know, it's, it's, it's like uh, receiving a gift and just putting it in the closet. I got the gift... Are you using it? No, well, it's in my closet. I never wear it or I never play with it. You know, It's, it's kind of like the gift of tongues is, is uh, the prayer language is given for us for a reason. And one of, the, one of the reasons is because we don't know how to pray like we should. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession through us. Because I would imagine the Holy Spirit knows the will of God, don't you? He is the third person of the Trinity. I think he knows God's will. He knows how to pray the God's will. So when I'm praying in tongues, I'm trusting that the Lord not only understands my prayers, but it's the Holy Spirit praying through me, and I am praying the will of God. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I get a sense that I'm interceding for something. You know, Sometimes it may the Holy Spirit is praying for myself. I think a lot of times it is. But other times I, I get this sense that I'm in some kind of an intercessory action right now, just speaking in tongues. Singing in tongues... Um, and, and uh, you know, obviously, you'd probably want to do that where you're. It's not in public, but uh, even if you have a good voice, it's kind of a little different to sing in tongues. But anyway, uh, I mean, in, like on the street. But anyway, when you sing in tongues, it's like uh, singing is such a release. Anyway, in us, I mean, we're just made to be. We sing, God created us to sing. You know, so that's why music is such a big part of most people's lives it has a power there's a power connection with singing and so there's something about taking tongues and singing different mel just just make up stuff it's fun You just make up stuff, and you just sing in the Spirit, and it cleanses. There's something that goes on that's a cleansing that's very difficult to explain unless you've experienced it. And then you would nod your head and go, yes, I get that. It's a cleansing. It's like a freeing. It's like a flowing. You know, I've I've given this example before. Of, of, you know, when you, when you, maybe when you were little and you, because I don't think we drink out of the hose anymore. But when, when I was little, we always did. We we're out playing the yard. We turn on the hose, and the first thing you do on the summer night, you don't put it to your mouth because it's hot, and it's murky. You let it run, and then it's cold and, it's, and it's uh, clear. And that's what happens with when we haven't prayed in tongues for a long time. We got to get that junk out. We got to, got let that hot and. Bl- bl- you know, murky water. Just speak in tongues and sing it, and let it go. And then, after a little bit, it may take five minutes. It may take twenty minutes. It just depends. You know, it could take five seconds, but it, it, we just got to get that stuff out. And then, it, and then it begins to flow, and again, it begins to be refreshing. And I'm getting excited just talking about it. But anyway, so we just want to uh, allow this to to happen in our lives. So let's stand together, and as we worship, if if you're one that uh, has never received the gift of tongues or you did a long time ago and, and you've kind of put it in the closet, you never really used it, then I would like to reactivate, if you will, or pray for those that have never received, and we'll just do that up here. And, and also, if, if you would like to receive, if you, if you, if you would like to pray for any other gift of the Holy Spirit, that you desired. That is definitely worth praying for. It's just like, you know what? I really wanted to move in the gift of healing. You know what, i really wanna move in the gift of prophecy or or the you know, my favorite's the gift of faith. I love the gift of faith. It kinda like that one like intersects with all of them, you know, it's a pretty cool if you want that one we'll pray. And <laughs> tell me what it's like. But anyway, um, so we'll we'll just pray. We'll just worship here and as and as you feel led if you want to receive prayer um, and if we get you know, a few people, I'll grab some other people to pray as well. All right?